Welcome back to the Scott Ross Show. I am so honored that you take time out of your week to listen to this podcast. Very, very grateful for that. Today, we have a really special guest. His name is Sean Reynolds, and he's just a super interesting guy. He has been an actor. He has been an entrepreneur involved in multiple projects that all are pretty different. And you're going to hear in this interview that this guy just has a heart of gold, first of all. And secondly, he's had a really significant battle with Crohn's disease and he's been able to accomplish so much in spite of his disease. I think that you're going to hear insights on using and gaining mentors. You're going to hear insights on salesmanship, on how to you know create relationships, how to differentiate your products and services, how to close deals, and uh, how to you know manage multiple projects and keep yourself from burning out. There's just a lot of value in his wealth and breadth of experience. So I'm very excited for you guys to be introduced to Sean and get to spend a few moments with him through this podcast. So with that said, let's go to the interview. Sean Reynolds, welcome to the Scott Ross Show. I'm so honored to be able to spend a few minutes with you and uh, have our listeners be blessed by a lot of your insight and wisdom. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Sean, you've got a really interesting background. Before I get into a lot of the stuff I want to peel back with you, why don't you just share with everybody your, you know, your story? So it's pretty interesting. I, I've been an actor. I've owned a technology company, uh, construction company, sports academies, um, a little bit of everything. When I was eight years old, I was doing door-to-door hockey pools up here in Canada. So really, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, and um, I come from a little small mining town up north called Sudbury. My dad was a miner. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And I'm one of three boys. So pretty humble beginnings, I would say. Um, we weren't hand-to-mouth per se, but really, you know, I've always known what a nickel is worth. That being said, I, I feel pretty blessed for, for that upbringing. And just, you know, I, I stood on the shoulders of a lot of really great people to get to where I am today. Uh, obviously, my mom and dad, who, who you know, just set great examples. And um, I would definitely say without my brothers, I would not, you know, have had the success I have. So um, there's a lot of things and a lot of different sort of branches to where we, we where, I, where I got to. But uh, it's, it's one of those things, you know, success is never a straight line. Uh, mine has a lot of uh, turns along the way. So. Yeah, I love that. And I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, just talk about how do you go from, you know, the acting world to the entrepreneurial world? You said you've always been an entrepreneur. I don't know. Maybe it was the other way around. Maybe you went from entrepreneur to acting and realized that wasn't really your who you were designed to be. I don't know. Just talk about that transition and what was the what were the catalysts to, to go back into entrepreneurship? So uh, growing up, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then just uh, my parents had a pretty intense divorce. And it made me not really love the law as much. And I, I think I read too many John Grisham books. I think really that was the catalyst for me wanting to be a lawyer, you know, seeing Matthew McConaughey playing uh, a lawyer and, and thinking that's what it was. But I realized quite quickly, it was a lot more uh, in libraries and research, pretty outgoing, loved making people laugh, loved engaging people. And I was an actor. I did movies. I did TV. Um, I had mediocre success. I was on TV shows. I was in Europe shooting movies in Germany and all over. And and loved that but being an actor you're you're almost it's your own business you're touting yourself and i've always found it difficult to say hey i'm the greatest actor in the world i'm the greatest person but to say i have the great greatest sporting academies or the greatest you know construction company it, having th- something at arm's length felt a lot 
uh, more sincere to me and, and I didn't have a problem doing that. So as I was an actor, I was teaching tennis and I started off with six kids on a court and I was always acting and being a waiter, acting and running a business, acting and producing a movie. And I, I was one of those people I just never wanted to wait by the phone for the agent to call me and say, oh, you've got a role. I always felt that I had to sort of create my own momentum. Um, so I was always doing something. As I did that, I was creating other companies and I was always working 110% at that because with acting, it's not like you can be a musician and go play on the corner or do your own show. You, you need so many other people to make a movie or make a play. You know, it, It's a real team sport, if you will, being an actor. So that transition, I remember I started a technology company back in 2008, 2009, which is not the greatest time to start a technology company and uh, raising a bunch of money. And I remember going in for a Maple Leaf Bacon callback commercial and realizing I had all these people's money that they, you know, put their heart and soul into and they were trusting me to do something great with it. And I really, I went to my agent, I said, listen, I gotta, I gotta, you gotta put me on hold. I can't be doing this, this acting thing when I'm, you know, I'm working 110% at this, at this technology startup. And I took a break. You know, sometimes you, what you do can become the embodiment of who you are. And myself being an actor, that it sort of felt like I'm an actor, almost bigger than anything that I was. And it took me taking a break from acting to realize that, you know, maybe I like the idea of it more than the auditions are tough, learning your lines, staying in on the weekends. But with my business, I could work really, really hard and make something happen. I never had to wait for somebody else. And, and I started having more and more momentum with that. So I apologize for really long story short. I, I had to sort of walk away from acting a little bit, take a break because of another business to realize I didn't, I didn't love everything that went around the acting. I love being on stage and making people laugh and engaging people, but I didn't love all that other stuff. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, I mean, it's a thread I, I get when I talk to tons of entrepreneurs, which is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you really have your destiny in your hands. You can be much more proactive. You're not depending on someone else to make something happen. And that's very attractive part of why someone should be an entrepreneur. You know, like if I'm an employee, like putting it in the in the traditional world, if I'm an employee, I got to wait on someone to die or get fired for me to get promoted versus, you know, if I'm an entrepreneur, I can just go grow my business you know, it's purely up to how much I want to hustle. Basically, I'm just curious, you know, you've been you've done a lot of things. I'm going to leave stuff out. But obviously, you mentioned your technology company, you had a sports camp, right, that you you built that Nike ended up buying. Those things are so all over the map. Is there some sort of common theme that's a thread that runs through all those businesses? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I've never been asked that before. Um, I would say no, uh, I guess on the surface, but yes, in certain ways, when I look at my sports academies, it's all about creating a product that people are passionate about customer service beyond reproach. When I transitioned from the sports academies after I, I sold to Nike sports camps, I brought that mentality to construction, which sometimes here you don't get that customer service. You don't get that callback. You don't get people really going out of their way, which you might get in some other industry, but we really tried to bring that to it and it was something different and people really appreciate it. And it grew by leaps and bounds, I think, because you're using the exact same material when you're doing that. You're using the installers to the most part are, are, are the same, but what you can make different is the entire experience, that whole flow. And 
I don't care what you're doing. If people can walk away thinking that was a great experience, I love that. They're going to talk to other people about what you do. And people say I'm a great salesperson, but I don't think I am. I'm just really passionate and I love helping people. I've had people sometimes call me about a clogged toilet. It has nothing to do with what our business does. I will get that voicemail. I will call that person back. I'll say, listen, call this person or do this or do that. And I don't know. I, I think it's the right thing to do. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I think you're hitting on something really important. So a lot of my listeners, you know, they want to be entrepreneurs or they're, they're fledgling entrepreneurs. You know, there's this sense that they need to like invent the next great flux capacitor or whatever, like some completely monumental leap forward in order to be an entrepreneur. I think what you're saying is a really important lesson. You can bring kind of secret sauce to something that's a commodity and be a big differentiator. It could be service level. It could be personal touch, things of that nature. I totally agree. I don't know if you've ever seen this show called Dirty Jobs. I think it's Mike Rowe who does that. And mm -hmm. I remember seeing a guy who had like um, worm farms, another guy who had porta potties, those, those bathrooms for on construction sites. And if you listen to those guys talk, they have the least glamorous jobs in the world. This is not Apple. This is not Microsoft. It's not, you know, Chipotle or, or some name that everybody knows, but the passion they brought to the table uh, with their clients and what they did you you it just blew through the tv screen when i watched these guys and to me that's the thing that's going to make you stand out i don't care what you're doing out there if you make yourself uh, create a solution to the person who's out there i remember i had this really great acting coach his name's lewis bowmander and he said when you're an actor you're walking in that room and your job is to they, they want a solution to their problem they need that role filled and they keep bringing person after person to find like who's going to give them the solution to their problem well that's the same thing with whatever job whatever company you started are you bringing the solution to what they have and when you're on the phone with them are you telling them how great you are and this and that that's not bringing a solution what's their problem oh i've got water coming in my house because my gutters aren't working or my child is failing math don't you can tell people how great you are but more importantly dig into what their problem is and get to the root of that and if you can really listen that's another thing that acting brought to the table i, I was an improv guy and i maybe not here because i'm talking quite a bit but really listening to what the other person is saying um you're going to get to a solution and this person they're going to take you seriously to hire you or use your company or or anything like that I love where you're going with this because it's actually a perfect. I was going to do a follow up from what you said a few minutes ago about how people say you're a great salesperson, but really you just are passionate. And I think you're hitting on a couple of the most essential ingredients I try to teach people when it comes to sales. The stereotype of the salesperson is the quote gift of gab, right? The ability to be quick on your feet and, you know, say the right things, but it's not that at all. It's a transfer of passion and enthusiasm. One. And it's like you say, it's the ability to listen and solve a problem. The person who's able to do that is going to win way more deals than the person who has some sort of flamboyant way of speaking about their products or services. You know, there's that passion, but there's also being passionate and curious about the person you're speaking with. I go to the grocery store and I talk to the checkout girl. How long have you been working here? You know, how do you like it? What's the most interesting thing? Well, when you're talking to your client, get to know them. You know, maybe there's something behind the curtain on why they called you or why maybe there's something beyond what they've brought up that you might even be able to help them with that's going to move this to the next level. I think being a great interviewer is being really curious about people and, and passionate to get to know them. Like, let's get beyond the surface. And especially in the days that we're in now, let's really get to know people. 
I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Bluehost. If you want to do anything entrepreneurial, you need a website, and the best place to host your website is Bluehost. Bluehost supports more than 2 million websites worldwide. Their bandwidth is unmetered, so you never have to worry about performance. And the biggest reason to go with Bluehost is their support. I use them because they have 24-7 support based in the United States, and they are amazing at solving any issue you will encounter. Bluehost has anytime money-back guarantee that allows customers to cancel whenever they want without penalty. Right now, Bluehost is offering my listeners free domain name for one year. That's worth at least 10 bucks. Free SSL certificate. That's worth at least 65 bucks. And one click WordPress installation for just $3.95 a month. That is less than a dollar a week to get yourself or your business on the web. Go to scottrossonline.com slash bluehost to take advantage of this offer. That's scottrossonline.com slash bluehost. Get online and take yourself to the next level. In your thread of all these different things, I know you mentioned, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of people. You mentioned your parents, you mentioned your brothers. I mean, what role have mentors or other people played in kind of the route you've taken as an entrepreneur? I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for those people. Full stop right there. I've always been somebody who I don't think I know everything. Even now, like I've had my company acquired by a really large company and I have sometimes people think I have the secret sauce. Yes, I do know things, but I go out there with the mind that what do I not know? You have to go with a beginner's mind. Even now I have a team of mentors that I sort of ask, I call, I, I, I have video calls with just to sort of get their two cents. Does it make sense to be expanding in this economic environment that we're in? I have a pretty good idea. I want to hear one or two other people that have really know their stuff. You know, I may not go with what they're saying, but I at least want to know that I, that I went to some other sources other than myself. And growing up, I've always looked to other people to try to get some guidance on where I'm going. Get a great team around you. Who's your financial person? Who's your spiritual person? People are stuck inside and, and who's mentally helping you get through some of this. So have a team around you of trainers, of people that will help you get to that next level. If you can learn from the mistakes that they made along the way, maybe learn from some of the success they've had, you're trimming years off of your journey to get to where you want to get to. Definitely. Something I get asked a lot is people say things like, well, Scott, how do I get a mentor? You know, will you be my mentor? You know, everybody is clamoring to, to have a mentor. I mean, what is your advice to someone to start to cultivate those sorts of relationships? One of my mentors is David Chilton. So <laughs> up here in Canada, we have a show called Dragon's Den. It was a precursor to Shark Tank. And on that show were Mr. Wonderful and Robert Hertzovich, who I, I, I've gotten to know uh, living here in Toronto. When I reached out to this person, um, David Chilton, I, I had asked him, I said, listen, I'd love to have a coffee with you. I'd love to have lunch. And he was really blunt. He said, Sean, I get requests, probably 30 requests a day to speak at universities and colleges and speaking engagements. And honestly, I'm just up to my eyeballs. And I said, okay. The next time you're cleaning out your garage, the next time you're raking leaves, the next time you want somebody to hit a tennis ball with, whatever that is, I will be there. I, I will stack the boxes. I will do whatever I want. What are you bringing to the table? Because buying somebody a coffee, buying somebody lunch, the person that you're asking, that, that time is worth more than the money that you're going to be bringing to the table. But if you want to maybe do something that they don't want to do, 
or if somebody's really into tennis or somebody's really into a certain sports team, maybe bring something to that email that will excite them or engage them or their kid is going to a certain college and you heard some really some nugget about, you know, their basketball team, bring something that excites me and bring something and having some uh, sort of exchange of ideas. And that to me uh, shows that they're listening, they're getting to know me. I've been asked to mentor certain people and consult them. And, and sometimes it's just to ask and then they just fall away. But if you take the first no as your no, you will not get a date. You will not move your company forward. You will not make that sale. The no's that you have, each no sometimes, most times will get you closer to a yes or get you that no where you know you have to pivot. Yeah, absolutely. One last thing on, you know, your multiple ventures, and then I want to dive into something else with you. With all the stuff you've got going on, how do you manage keeping all the plates spinning? I mean, what is your counsel for people on, you know, this idea of balance, which I'm, I'm personally not a big fan of that word, but you know, how do you, how do you not burn out and still keep your priorities in, in the right order? I have to be more careful about balance than most people. Um, I have Crohn's disease. I've been in at a hospital. And if I push myself to the ends, I end up in the hospital sick and I've got a wife and two kids and that's just not feasible. So um, it goes to not being afraid to ask for help, for assistance. Uh, you know, you need to be able to delegate certain things off. I have a hard time saying no. I'm worried about missing that next great idea, but I've had to learn that I can do six things half-ass or I can do two things really well, three things really well. I'm looking to produce a TV series right now. I've got that sort of going and it's it's a phone call here, an email there. So it, it's not taking up my day-to-day. Like it's sort of just moving the ball down the field. I've got the construction company, which takes a lot of my time. I'm trying to work on a book. So that's, I try to, you know, hammer out maybe an hour each day, half an hour. And some days it doesn't happen, but you have to be willing to say no to certain things to say, maybe I'm going to put that on hold for the future because you might burn out. If you just taken that one or two things, you could have done it incredibly and brought it to the next level. You might just do it terribly and lose that, that great opportunity. So I'm not always the greatest at saying no. And I've had to get better at doing that because there's a lot of power in no. Definitely. Now, you, you brought up where I wanted to go next, and that is your Crohn's disease. You've been very public about your experience with Crohn's disease. And um, tell us just a bit about that journey, first of all. So for people who aren't real familiar with the disease and what that, what that entails. So uh, Crohn's, there's Crohn's, there's uh, colitis, there's IBD, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. So my intestines, I, my body for some reason is attacking my intestines and I end up getting a narrowing in my intestines. So it almost feels like I'm swallowing glass when, when I'm at my worst. I've had two surgeries to cut out the parts that have gotten so narrow that I just, I can't digest food in that area. It's been, it's been tough. Um, I was down to 122 pounds. There's been times, you know, I've been in a hospital bed crying because I just felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was just being dragged down by this thing. Both my brothers have Crohn's as well, which we had to support each other in a lot of ways. But I've, I guess it's weird to say this, I've been lucky. Um, They said it was going to be cancer at the beginning and it wasn't. So Crohn's is a better C of those two, I would say. I live up here in Canada and Back when I didn't have money, I've had surgeries and I didn't go bankrupt because of these things. I get medication, which for the most part has been covered. I've got a really great support system around me, but 
I've had to run my company from a hospital bed and that sometimes it sounds like, Oh wow, you're amazing. And that's great. And it sounds great. And there's been times where I've had an IV in my arm and I've been on morphine because of the pain and, and I just don't know how I'm going to do it. I remember coming home from the hospital. It tends to have a flare when I'm stressed out and we were having our first child and I got really sick leading up to that. And I was really stressed wondering how I was going to be a new dad. And I ended up in the hospital for a big surgery and my brother, uh, Neil, my middle brother came to see me and I, I just kind of broke down and I'm like, I can't even walk 10 feet down the hallway. How am I supposed to pick up a child and walk them up and down the stairs? And I, I literally had no idea how I was going to do this. And he made me walk the stair, stairs up and down the stairs of the hospital that day and just kept doing it and doing it until I got the strength to go home. And that to me is standing on other people's shoulders. And mm. I feel really blessed for that. I do think it's commendable that you continue to fight through that and you haven't allowed that to be a an excuse for just shutting down. I know a lot of people who have much smaller obstacles that they let be the end of their journey. They basically have thrown up the, the white flag and said, oh, since that bad circumstance happened or that bad event happened, I'm done. You know, how do you press through? What, what What's your counsel to people to um, get past things like that? I, I've been really lucky. The mindset my parents put into me is you don't let anything stop you. It doesn't mean that you won't stop momentarily in places where, you know, I'm in a hospital or I need to stop working on a project. That will happen. I'm never the victim. Again, Lewis Bowman, my old acting coach, said you're either the hero of the story or you're the victim of your own story. And I'm going to always be the hero of my story. And when I tell these things of me being in a hospital bed and my brother making me walk, the stairs. I, I don't know. I feel invigorated by that. I, it makes me think the next time something comes ahead of me that I, that is a challenge and, and maybe I might not be able to otherwise overcome. You need to tell yourself those fables and those stories. And because the history of where you are leads to where you can, you can go to where you can become, you need to be the hero of your story. And I've had so many things beyond the Crohn's like, guys maybe trying to take advantage of me in business and parents divorces and all these things that, you know, on their own, maybe nothing, but cumulatively are something, but I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to, I want to pass on these things to my parents. I want to pass on these things to people that are listening and people that I meet with. I, I think us supporting each other and inspiring each other is just, it's just so important, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just curious, you know, have you actually ever experienced burnout? Has that been something you've ever had to fight through? Yeah, I mean, when you're 122 pounds, and you're on morphine and all these medications, and, you know, even mentally, sometimes like you're coming off morphine, and you're just feeling like frenetic. And it's a challenge. There's been times where I've had to sort of put things on pause. And I've had to lay in bed and sleep in the afternoons. And I've always tried to do a little something like, okay, I'm feeling really sick today. Let's get out of bed. Let's make our bed. Let's walk back and forth to the stop sign. Mm. Set those little guideposts for you. Today, you know, this medication is making me feel really depressed or terrible. I'm going to go with there. I'm going to play with my kids and I'm going to be as positive as I can be. Do I fail a bunch of times? Yeah, I do. But it's, it's those things where you go, okay, be you know, self-aware enough to go, today was not my, my day. I was a little bit of a failure today. And tomorrow, like when I get down to go to bed at night, I want to review the day. You know, you, you, know, you want to thank people above 
you know, thank Lord above for, for where you are and the things that you've done. And for me to look, okay, how have I been with my family today? How have I been with my friends, with my health, with my career, with, you know, my motivation and maybe figure out what those four or five things are important to you and say, okay, well, I was not great in this department today, but I'm going to be better tomorrow. So set that small goal for yourself. Maybe you're not great at calling people about sales calls. You know what? I'm going to call two people today, or I'm going to have my mentor listen to that call with me today, or I'll try to sell my mentor today. Let's just do that one thing today, or I'm going to listen to that podcast about how to be a better salesperson or be more motivated or outgoing or whatever it is that your Achilles heel is, because we all have those things. Michael Jordan said the worst part of his game was his defense, and he tried to make that the best part of his game. So figure out what the thing that you're, you know, not great at and try to make that the best thing and set up those small little guideposts for you along the way. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. I love it. Uh, incremental wins, base hits, if you will, rather than trying to hit home runs. Right. One thing I know that you is a quote you like, it's from Einstein says something like the most important decision you're going to make is, you know, whether you view the universe as friendly or, uh, or angry or something like that. It might be misquoting. I mean, talk about that and how's that played a role in, you know, you're just both big picture outlook. And then like you're talking about now, kind of the tactical way that you approach every day. When I walk around down the street, I, I talk to people, how you doing? What's going on? People I don't know. I make so many friends and it's just, to me, if you go out there outgoing and you put great energy in the world, it's incredible what comes back to you. Yes, there are things that are, you know, you're going to see one or two things that are going to happen that maybe aren't great. Maybe somebody's not nice to you or you have somebody that tries to take advantage of you. But I'll, I'll tell you 80, 90% of the time, you're going to get so much back from this. I think if you're trying to start a business or start a band, I don't care what it is. If you're out there talking to people and you let them know what you're trying to do and maybe trying to help them along the way, you'll be amazed at what comes back at you. You and I talking today, can you imagine the things that are going to come about from this? Because, you know, I've got things going on. You've got things going on. We're getting to know each other. Like you're not going to reach out to me to at some point in time if you need something. I'm a really, really loyal, great friend, and I'm very quick to ask for a favor. I, I don't feel bad asking because I would do anything for a friend. And so if they call me, I won't have a problem saying, hey, listen, Dave, I really need help with this. I'm trying to do this. That's the kind of person I am. And I, I think if we all aim to be the, those people, I think the world would be a much, you know, most, more supportive place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Sean, it's been so great getting to know you a little bit today. Um, I know my listeners have been really blessed by all you had to say and all your insights and experience. Couple quick things. Number one, what's a way people could just, you know, follow along with the rest of your journey and what's next? They can follow me on Twitter at uh, Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. I try to reach back to most of the people that, that reach out to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to write a book. I'm looking to produce a, a TV show I'm passionate about. I've got a lot of things on the horizon. Will they all get done at once? No, I'm going to sort of, sort of pick and choose as I go along the way, almost like a grocery store. I don't have to take everything off the shelves. I can pick and choose what I need and, and sort of move from there. So. Yes. And then I always ask everybody, what is the one book you think everyone should read? I, I love a bunch of books. I mean, from a financial point of view, I love The Wealthy Barber. Um, I think um, Dr. Wayne Dwyer, he's this amazing uh, speaker and motivator. And I found 
during these specific times, I, I found it really motivating. And he's got erroneous zone, all these great books. But for me, that guy has been really inspiring from a spiritual point of view um, to try to keep your head in the game. Uh, that actual great Einstein quote, I, I actually found from him. So uh, Dr. Wayne Dwyer's got a, a bunch of really great books that have inspired me. And I, I tend to, to read uh, again and again. Great. Well, Sean, thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you on the show and uh, anything I can ever do to add value to your life, please don't hesitate to reach out. And the same with me, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Okay, brother. I am so happy you could join us for this amazing conversation with Sean Reynolds today. And before we go, I want to review some of the key takeaways I got from this episode. The first is that mentors are key to becoming a successful entrepreneur. Sean knew early on he needed the right leaders to help him grow his brand and his business. And he was very careful about selecting those people. And now years into his successful venture, he is still talking to those same people. So it's an essential early investment to make as an entrepreneur. And I want to emphasize that word investment as well. You know, a lot of people I encounter, they want mentorship, but they don't want to make any investment of either money or time or inconvenience in order to get it. If you want to accelerate your learning curves, if you want to collapse time frames, you need to invest in mentorship. It pays dividends. The second thing is we've got to prioritize our health both mentally and physically. As Sean opened up about in the episode, he lives with Crohn's disease, which means there have been many times when he's been running his business out of a hospital bed. But the biggest takeaway from his struggles is not always to push through, it's to give yourself time to relax and to heal. Something you've heard me talk about in previous episodes of The Scott Ross Show is the idea of sprint and recover. We've got to have these sequences or this pattern in our life where we sprint and then we give ourselves time to recover. And because he shared that if you continue to push yourself too hard, it's going to completely backfire both on your personal life and in your business. I highly encourage you to adopt that idea of allowing yourself to recover and really prioritizing physical and mental health. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we just go, 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 go. And we are not going to be at our best if we don't make sure that we're making the main thing the main thing. The third takeaway is juggling multiple tasks and knowing your limits. I mean, just looking at this guy's resume, you know he's a juggler. He's been an actor, a producer, runs a construction company. He does a lot of things. And he knows he works better when he has a lot of different tasks on his plate. But even he has run into situations where he knows he's got too much going on and his work is suffering because of it. So he warns us to know those limits and constantly take stock of if you're doing all your jobs to the best of your ability. And this gets back to the thing we've talked about many times as well, which is the art of delegation. You know, if you have something that someone else could do 80% as well as you're doing it, you shouldn't be doing it. You should find someone else to do it. I was so energized by this conversation with Sean, and I hope you were too. If you want to explore more of what he's working on, you can read our show notes for this episode at scottrossonline.com, and you can also take a look at some of the projects I'm working on over there as well. You can also watch the video from this conversation on my YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for listening. We will see you back here next Wednesday with a new episode. Take care. Take care.